November 2, which marks the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists, is a very important day for press freedom. More specifically, to focus on the crucial question of safety of journalists, who need an enabling environment and not a climate of fear in order to do their jobs to the best of their ability. And that's not the case in many parts of the world, where many have been killed and disappeared, have been tortured or physically attacked. Often these cases are not investigated and the killers go unpunished. Mozambique is one of the countries in which attacks on journalists has become commonplace. So I'm very happy today to talk via Zoom to Fernando Gonçalves, editor of Mozambique's leading weekly newspaper, Savannah, and chairperson of that country's chapter of the Media Institute of Southern Africa on the issue of safety, and more specifically, the 2017 disappearance of journalist and human rights advocate, Ibrahimo Abu Mumbaruku, who hasn't been seen since reporting on the insurgency in the Cabo Delgado area. You're listening to Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust, which is available on SoundCloud and iTunes, and I'm your host, Gwen Lister. So welcome, Fernando, and thank you so much for taking time from your very busy newsroom to talk to me today. Thank you, Gwen, for having me on your show. Thank you, Fernando. So we'll start right off by asking you how to end impunity for crimes against journalists. This is the focus of our discussion today. And Ibrahimo is one of those journalists whose disappearance has received international attention. But more than that, I think credit must be given to Misa Mozambique, which has been in the forefront of reporting the situation in Cabo Delgado right from the outset. Uh, so, Fernando, could you briefly tell us what you know right now about the circumstances surrounding his disappearance? Well, thank you, uh, Gwen. Uh, just to give you a background, uh, Ibrahim Baruch was working for a local radio station, uh, which is supposed to be a community radio station, but which in fact is uh, is run by government. That's a different arrangement we have here. Right. Uh, so it's very difficult to say what, what is a community radio station because government has also radio stations which it calls community radio stations. Right. So... Seventh uh, April in Mozambique is uh, it's Women's Day, and uh, and therefore it's a public holiday. Uh, Baruku had just left the station on his way home on on that day in 2020 when he sent uh, a message to one of his colleagues uh, saying that he had been surrounded by soldiers. Right. Uh, that was the last time that, that uh, was heard of him, and all subsequent efforts to locate him have uh, have so far failed, and uh, all inquiries made with the authorities have not yielded any positive result. Um, prior to his disappearance, uh, there had been uh, cases of uh, arbitrary arrests uh, of journalists in Cabo Delgado. Right. Uh, but due to the intervention from NISA, uh, those journalists were not uh, were not uh, were not sentenced. Uh, so maybe for 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 those who did it, they thought that maybe 
making the journalists disappear was easier than going through the, the, the whole complicated uh, process of going through the courts. Uh, it's really shocking. This is all we know about uh, the, the situation or the circumstance under which uh, Ibrahim Barou disappeared on the 7th of April of 2020. Honestly, it's, it's, it's obviously been a couple of years since he disappeared. Are there ongoing efforts, Fernando, by family and media efforts to find out the truth of what's happened to Ibrahimo? And do you think there's enough international pressure still being applied on the uh, Mozambican authorities to solve this case? I mean, really, to get to the bottom line, do you think he's dead? Well, uh, Mesa Mozambique has been working with the family in order to find out what happened and indeed uh, whether he's still alive. We at MISA um, even wrote a letter to the President of the Republic seeking his good offices in finding out what could have happened. Uh, but it has been a very big disappointment. I'm, I'm not sure what other initiatives could have been taken outside Mozambique, but I don't think uh, we have exhausted all possible avenues I think the authorities have to be held to account. It cannot be part of a, of a new normal uh, that individuals uh, just disappear and everyone just keeps quiet. Uh, so something has to be done. We have done everything we could do. We have uh, made inquiries with the authorities, uh, but we have not got any, any information uh, that uh, could lead to uh, locating Ibrahim Baruku. I'm afraid to say this. I don't. I don't think Ibrahim Baruku uh, at this stage could still be alive uh, because I think because of the pressure that has been brought to bear on the authorities, it's quite possible that they might have decided that uh, getting rid of him was the best uh, 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 way that they can deal with the issue. And I'm sure, uh, Fernando, everybody, I think not only in Mozambique, but further afield, really want answers to this critical question of what happened to him. But as you know, UNESCO says that in nine out of 10 cases of the 1,200 journalists who've been killed since or between 2006 and 2020, the killings have not been resolved and the killers mostly go unpunished in cases of kidnap, torture, and physical attacks. To what extent, I mean, apart from the case of Ibrahimo, is um, shooting the messenger, so to speak, a problem in Mozambique in general? Impunity is a very serious problem in Mozambique. Right. Um, organized crime permeates almost every level of the state machinery, including the police, the criminal investigation services, uh, the intelligence services, etc. Corruption is rife. Uh, so in an environment like that, it's very hard to, to get uh, perpetrators of crimes against journalists to be, to be held to account. Because in most cases, these, these crimes against journalists are committed by individuals who are related to the security services. Absolutely. And quite often they do so in the name of the security of the state. Uh, so they cannot prosecute themselves. Uh, in the case of Baruku, for example, there is a very strong suspicion that uh, there could have been an involvement of state security agents. And that is because of uh, the very strange way the authorities have responded to every 
uh, inquiry that we have made uh -huh. uh, whenever, we, whenever we approach them. So it is very serious when security services acting on behalf of state security, they commit these crimes and they find a way of hiding them so that they will never be caught. So I think this is a very serious, it's a very serious problem. And this is a serious, it's a problem that we have to address, as you said, not just here in Mozambique, but throughout the, the world, because this is not happening only in Mozambique. And I'm just wondering, Fernando, I agree with you, obviously, 100%, but I'm just wondering whether this day to end impunity for crimes against journalists is really going to make a difference to change the minds of intransigent governments like Mozambique to change this, this climate of impunity. And I'm also wondering whether, does it really make a difference, do you think, to those journalists who are working under threat? I think it's a very important day. Um, this is 2nd of November. Right. Uh, but, but I don't think the government in Mozambique even takes notice. Okay. Quite often, uh, government officials at, uh, at, a very high at a very high level uh, feel that the media is there to get them. So their predisposition is that if anything untoward happens to a, a, a journalist, uh, that is because that journalist deserves it. I mean, they don't say it loudly. They don't say it in public. But, but it's I mean, implied, yes. You can see that it's implied in their attitudes, in the way in the way they act, and they don't say it openly. But you can you can feel, you can almost sense that uh, it is implied in the in the very indifferent way they respond to such cases. Uh, I don't think governments will willingly commit themselves to issues that have to do with the safety of journalists, uh, but I think it is incumbent upon media rights organizations and activists like ourselves uh, to keep driving the message and, right. and also working with uh, like-minded international organizations like UNESCO and uh, uh, Free Press and uh, Reporters Without Borders and so forth, try to develop an international framework on crimes against journalists that is binding to all member states of the international community. Absolutely. And uh, Fernando, you know, just thinking aloud, I'm just wondering how we in Africa can find ways and means to put more pressure on, you know, Organization of African Unity and SADC um, to really get them to commit. But, you know, I know that's going to be a difficult job as well. But you mentioned it just briefly now. Um, there's a new initiative. Um, in an attempt to achieve some kind of justice in the cases of the murder of journalists, uh, Free Press Unlimited, which you mentioned, along with Reporters Sans Frontier and the Committee to Protect Journalists, have launched a People's Tribunal to investigate cases and hold governments to account, uh, which will sit for the first time at The Hague on November 2. And in this case, the governments of Sri Lanka, Mexico, which of course is the world's most dangerous country for journalists right now, and Syria will be indicted. The prosecutor has said, and I quote, it is time that states are held accountable, unquote. Your thoughts on whether this bold move by media freedom organizations can also help draw international attention to impunity and make a difference? I think this is about the... the at the international frameworks that I have uh, have been referring to. Right. Um, 
We already have the International Criminal uh, Criminal Court in The Hague that has been used to indict and prosecute human rights violators, those who commit crimes against, against humanity. Uh, I think it is such mechanisms that we need in relation to crimes committed against uh, journalists. Uh, not just to prosecute, but most importantly, to intervene, intervene to investigate thoroughly cases of uh, disappearance and killing uh, of journalists. I know SADC has, uh, has a protocol that uh, covers issues of freedom of the, of the, of the press. Right. Uh, uh, there is, uh, at, the, at the level of the African Union, there is, uh, there is the African chat on, uh, on, uh, on, on peoples and human rights. Uh, there is the, 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 the Declaration of Principles on Freedom of Expression in Africa. But I think all these frameworks, they are there, but I think it is very important that the message is sent out to the governments and to ensure that they develop mechanisms, internal mechanisms in their own countries to make sure that uh, these, uh, 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 um, this, these frameworks, these international frameworks that already exist are taken into account and they are adhered to very strictly. Absolutely, and not just paying lip service to these instruments but not really uh, implementing them in, in, in principle and in practice. You know, Fernando, one of the things that always astounds me when it comes to issues around press freedom, and obviously we know the family of Ibrahimo want answers to the disappearance, and so do all families um, of journalists who've disappeared want answers to, to what's happened to them. But the one thing that always astounds me is there is such a lack of, or it seems like there is a lack of sustained public outrage um, when journalists are killed or disappeared in, in many countries. And, you know, I think here in Namibia, where recently um, two or three people were shot by the Botswana Defense Forces in our northern region here for fishing illegally, and there was huge outcry among the citizens in Namibia. But when a journalist or something goes missing, this is not the case. Is there any kind of outrage in, in Mozambique on the disappearance of Ibrahimo, for example? You are right about what you are saying. Uh, you see, if you, if you want people uh, not to bother the state, um, first you impoverish them. Uh, make them as poor as, poor as possible. Uh, then you ensure that they, they have no time to pursue issues of public interest. Right. Because they are, they are, they are so busy just to ensure their, their basic survival. Right. Uh, the second thing you do is you intimidate them. Uh, you make them believe that issues of the state are not of their concern, and that whenever they raise matters that have to do with the with government with governance issues, they're indulging in acts of subversion. So that's how you. This is how states uh, quite often operate uh, when it comes to dealing with with the rights of, of, uh, of citizens. Uh, you also make them understand that those who, who have got problems with the state are of their own making and that whoever comes up in their, in their support will face the same fate. So people are so poor and thoroughly intimidated 
but they do not dare to raise their voice. Uh, that, that is what is happening in, in, in Mozambique. Uh, so you find very, people, very few people and very few organizations who understand uh, that fighting for such causes is to their own uh, benefit. Often, often I tell people that issues of media, uh, you should not, you should never made to think that they pertain only to journalists, right. they pertain to the entire society, because journalists are not working for themselves, they work for the, for the good of the society. So if, when they, if they are silenced, then it is society that is being silenced in itself. Right, and in a sense, I suppose governments are being clever um, in a certain way, in that, uh, you know, as Afrobarometer has showed us, there are declining levels of trust in the media across Africa, and governments tend to probably capitalize on this, and, you know, they make journalists the enemies too. And so, as you say, the citizens are afraid to speak out when they die and go missing, not realizing that the rights of journalists are the same rights as their own rights. Yes, as I have said before, it is very, it is very rare indeed that uh, a crime will be will be committed and the culprits will be will be held to account. And this is part of this environment of uh, of massive intimidation. This idea that uh, state uh, affairs are sacred and they can only be dealt with by the state itself and that citizens have nothing to do with uh, issues of governance. Right. And I think it's, it is this, this sense of fear that is instilled in the people that we really have to fight against and really make sure that we overcome that. Exactly. And maybe just to add on to that, um, Fernando, is apart from the devastating personal impact on journalists at risk as well as their families, impunity, as you've said, also fuels a climate of fear. Um, in a time of severe threat also for the future of good journalism, less and less young people will be inclined to choose a career that puts their lives at risk. Is this chill effect manifested also in Mozambique, do you find, at the moment, that young people are less likely to take on uh, the work of public service in the media because of this fear? Well, to a certain extent, it is it is true that young people will be deterred from uh, practicing journalism because uh, of their risks associated with uh, with the profession. At times, it will be their own parents or relatives who will discourage them from pursuing journalism as a career. Absolutely. But there is a lot of of brave young people who are determined to ensure that uh, their society. Is, is rooted in, in the ideals of democracy and who are prepared to fight for, 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 their, for their rights. Uh, so it is not, it's not all uh, doom and gloom. Oh, excellent. There is a, there is a, a lot of young people who uh, were either as journalists or as activists in civil society are determined to fight uh, for, a dom uh, for a democratic society for, for a rules-based uh, uh, society, and I think it's uh, uh, it's quite it's quite encouraging. But of course, the pressures are there. Relatives will tell their kids that look, we have looked after you all this time. We have invested in you. Uh, we don't really think going into journalism is a good idea because 
you rather go into medicine or engineering or any other or any other uh, uh, being a lawyer or, 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 or any other uh, profession that brings you good money uh, but I think uh, there is there is an understanding among amongst the uh, amongst the young people that there is the need to fight for freedom and that freedom does not come on a silver platter that's very encouraging to hear. Um, Fernando, and I think, you know, in Namibia too, what you say about families and peer pressure also has a lot of influence on young people taking on careers in journalism, which, as we both know, is a question of public service rather than getting material gains uh, from what we do. But I'm glad to hear there are young people, you know, willing to put their money where their mouths are and, as you say, fight for freedom. And journalism is one way certainly to do that. Just briefly a reference, uh, something that you've actually alluded to already. You know, Carlos Cardoso's murder in 2000 was one of Mozambique's most notorious killings of journalists. In this and other cases of deaths and disappearances, there's often a connection, which you've alluded to, to the military or to the corridors of power in one way or another. Do you think this is a fairly fair assessment of impunity in Mozambique, or are there other agendas at play in this uh, dangerous world for journalists? As I said, when those crimes are committed by the very same people who are paid to prevent and investigate them, exactly, and more so when such uh, such is done in the name of the interest of the state, uh, then you you can you can rest assured that. Uh, uh, that they they will not be investigated, and therefore uh, the culprits will, will never be found. In the case of, of of Carlos Cardoso, it wasn't because the state was determined to investigate the case and bring the culprits to trial. Um, the reason, the main reason, was Cardoso was married to a national of a very powerful donor. Right. Uh, in addition to the fact that he himself was very was very well connected within the, the donor community. Absolutely. So the donors threatened to cut off aid, which Mozambique could not live without. Right. Uh, Mozambique could not afford not to have uh, that aid. And so when the donors uh, 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 threatened to cut off aid, then Mozambique had to, had to act. Uh, but even then, uh, doubts still persist as to whether all those involved in the murder of Carlos Cardoso have all been prosecuted. Right. There are still doubts that uh, not everyone who was involved in the murder of Carlos Cardoso was prosecuted. But nevertheless, there was, I mean, those who carried out the, 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 that heinous crime uh, were prosecuted. But uh, we don't know about those who ordered that killing, whether they have they have also been prosecuted. Exactly. There is a widely held view and perception that those people have managed to get scot-free. Absolutely. And this is what, obviously, impunity to those of us in the profession, whether we work in democratic countries, in my own case to a large extent, or yours, where, where um, there are a lot more threats to journalists, is a concern of all of us. An injury to one is an injury to all. And so... Anything it takes must be done to really uh, bring an end to impunity. And 
Maybe, Fernando, on that note, I'm going to ask you just for your, because I could talk to you for hours about this, as you know, and we've talked for hours in the past about just such concerns. But give me your final thoughts on what you think it will take in Africa in general and Mozambique more specifically to bring an end to crimes of impunity against journalists and instead to ensure a safe working environment in which they can exercise their craft, which we all agree is so essential for the maintenance of democracy and economic development, to borrow the words of the 1991 Vintuk Declaration. There is a trial that is going on in Mozambique right now. Um, it has to do with the so-called hidden debts. Yes. Which is the largest uh, financial scandal in Mozambique, uh, uh, involving uh, $2.2 billion. There are, there are 19 people who are on trial on, in connection with that case. Uh, some of those who are, who are on trial are as senior officers of the intelligence services, right, including the former director general. So people can see that those in the security service can, can be held to account. Uh, so they become less fearful of them. Uh, there have also been a few cases of prosecution of, against individuals who have committed violence against journalists. And I'm talking here of of police officers, but they're of, of, a, of a very uh, lower rank. Uh, so I think the starting point uh, is that journalists themselves have to understand uh, what mechanisms are there, uh, are there available for them to, to use when their rights are violated. Uh, but in addition to that, I think there has to be a degree of engagement uh, with the security forces, for example, uh, so that uh, they become aware of certain acts that uh, violate the professional rights of journalists. Uh, because sometimes, um, especially when it, this involves uh, police officers or officers of uh, other arms of the state, of the state security apparatus, apparatus of a lower ranking, uh, sometimes they do this out of ignorance. Uh, and I think uh, uh, it is very important that uh, we engage with them and, uh, you know, I won't say teach them, yeah. but explain to them in a, in, a, in a constructive way, try to explain to them what their attitude towards journalists uh, 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 should be. Um, uh, and, and I think they, they have to understand that uh, journalists don't work for themselves. Journalists work for the good of the entire society. Uh, so if they interfere with the work of journalists, they're interfering with the fundamental rights that often are enshrined in the Constitution, in the constitutions of many countries, and that people are entitled to the enjoyment of those rights. I think those are very pertinent comments, uh, Fernando, and I'm thinking one of the things you've said, and maybe we need to do more of, is really to make a concerted effort to engage with our security forces, whether they be police or defense forces, and help them to understand about the human rights culture and why it is necessary not only to protect civilians, but uh, more particularly journalists as well. 
And maybe uh, with this combined effort, we can all um, take this fight against impunity to greater heights so we can finally conquer it. So, Fernando, I thank you so much for taking time. I know how busy you are in the newsroom. I remember those days well. And I really appreciate you giving your input in this vital discussion. Thank you.